Hi, I'm Molly Weinberg, and I'm a Philly-based lifestyle influencer who gives all the deets when it comes to wellness, travel, even entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Molly Weinberg Podcast, where I chat with experts ranging from gut health specialists to fashion icons and everything in between. I want to share all the specifics to help you live your best life. I'm not sparing any details. Yep, no questions are off limits. Every week, you will walk away from each episode feeling more motivated and more informed than before. Tune in weekly to the Molly Weinberg Podcast to never miss a beat. As a doula, we're here, you know, text us, call us. And it's like, you know, I'm feeling nervous about this, this, and this. And we're like, I validate that. I validate that. We are your safe space. There is no judgment. There is no opinion, no bias. But what we will provide is evidence-based education, support, and validation. On today's episode, I interviewed Emma Yoder, who was my postpartum doula for the first three months of Oliver's life. She is one of the most cheery, smart, calming people I have ever met, and our family loved working with her. I decided it would be a great idea to have her on because oftentimes when I tell someone, oh, we love our doula, or oh, maybe you should look into hiring a doula. I get a very confused look, like what even is a doula? So this episode goes in depth about what a birth doula really is. We talked for so long that I'm gonna have to have Emma back on to talk about the postpartum side of being a doula. To give a little background, Emma is a birth and postpartum doula, childbirth and new parent educator, baby sleep coach, yoga instructor, and the founder of Connected Transitions, a full service doula agency in greater Philadelphia. In addition to being a doula, Emma has a background in biology from Bryn Mawr College and will be attending Drexel University College of Medicine in August 2023 in her pursuit of becoming an OBGYN. We're very happy for her. Over the years, she has served hundreds of families and is well known and loved within the greater Philadelphia region. What I think is so cool is that her fascination with birth began as a little girl growing up on an organic farm in Kutztown, Pennsylvania, which by the way, if you know me, you know I'm from Allentown, PA, so it's only like 30-ish minutes apart. Anyway, she would spend late nights in the barn assisting with the births of goats, horses, cows. She was even present at the birth of her first horse, which she rode and competed with for many years. Her first introduction to becoming a doula was working with a certified professional midwife in Lancaster County who recommended DONA, D-O-N-A, International, where Emma became certified. She is knowledgeable, powerful, and so kind. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you have any questions for what it means to be a postpartum doula, DM me anytime so I can ask her for the next episode. I think we should first start with how I even got connected with you, which I think is super cool. So I had a doula for my birth and I didn't know much about the doula world at all, to be honest. And the way that I found out about even the word doula was from a different podcast that I love. And the woman was talking about how she had to book her doula so far in advance and she interviewed a few. This was like her birth doula. Um, and I was like, shoot, like as soon as I found I was pregnant, I called Penn and I was like, hey, I think I'm pregnant. What do I do? And I started looking at doulas. So I worked with a wonderful doula for my birthing experience. Um, and then afterwards, I was like, I'm so low. I'm so sad. I'm overwhelmed. I'm tired. I don't know what I'm doing. 
and she recommended, hey, you should really find a postpartum doula. I have one in mind. She's awesome. And that's how I came across you, which was wonderful and like the best introduction. And I feel like for everyone listening, if they don't already know what a doula is, maybe you can share what you define a doula as and then what you do. You know, like what, what does that look like for you personally? Yeah. So I want to preface first that there are ranges of doulas. Um, so there's, there's um, fertility support doulas, birth doulas, postpartum support doulas, um, abortion support doulas, and, and death doulas for, you know, the elderly as well. So a good introduction. So what a doula means. So doula comes from the Greek word to serve. Um, so originally it's originating as a woman who serves another woman, um, but also including, you know, more gender fluidity in our society today. You know, it's, it's, a, it's another person who is serving another. Um, so a doula, we, we do a lot of things. So the most important part about a doula is that we're your friend. We're the friend to support you through all of that. But outside of just being your friend, we have the tools as well and the education. Um, so for a birth doula specifically, we provide that educational, emotional, and physical support throughout labor. So the educational side of things is that you know there's power in education, and that brings confidence back to our clients. And we do a lot of that pre-birth. Um, so during our prenatal visits, so I know for me, I do two prenatal visits. So we talk about how you're feeling, um, we talk about your birth plan and how you're you're thinking about what your labor, what you're hoping it to be, um, and your desires around your birth. Um, and then the education about informed choice and also how that's different from informed consent. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really, really important in the birth world. Um, so Molly, do you know the difference between informed consent and informed choice? Oh, um, I love because, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be able to differentiate but I do remember creating a birth plan. And I remember Jackie, who I had for my birth doula, was like, okay, first prenatal visit, any ideas of what you want for your birth plan? And I was like, birth plan, birth plan. Let me Google that quick. Like even that term was so foreign to me. And I learned so much from her. And I also took a birthing course. And I remember the woman there, Brittany, was saying how in the moment of birth, everything is so emotional and all you care about Mm -hmm. is like the safety and health of your baby that you almost give up all of your you know thoughts wishes wants so that's why having a doula is so helpful because they're there with that paper of like okay this was our birth plan let's think about this logically and i'll take the weight off of you and like remind you of what you wanted Yes. Yeah. To your question, but that was just a tidbit that I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. No, that's perfect. That's actually a wonderful introduction. Um. So part of having your birth plan is exploring what your options are. So you know something that's really important to say is that in our society and within Western medicine and you know how obstetrics is handled in this country, um, it you can feel really out of control. You you know you kind of put this trust into your medical system, um, to your providers. And also kind of, they take this control, this level of control where, which is not a bad thing. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm going to take control of, you know, what the options are during our, you know, our visits, um, you know, in, during labor, these are the decisions around, you know, what we should do at this scenario and this scenario, but what that can do for our families, because normal, even outside of labor, when you're feeling out of control, 
that locus of control out inside of you just kind of goes out into your environment and causes a lot of anxiety. Um, so what your birth plan does, and we're going to go back to like informed choice, informed consent, what the difference is, is it brings that control back into your hands. Um, and part of the reason why is because you do know what your options are. You know what it looks like. Okay, so early labor. This is what early labor can look like. These are different scenarios of how it can look and feel. What are my options? Um, active labor. This is what it looks like. Um, this is what it can look like in different scenarios and what your options are. So I'm um, talking about the birth plan. So the biggest difference with, you know, informed consent. So I'm going to talk about that first is that um, we talk about the importance of informed consent in our medical society, um, so medical system. And the importance is, is that it's like, these are, this is the intervention. Um, and, you know, this is what we should do in this scenario. These are maybe the pros, these are maybe the cons of this. And it puts like kind of our patients and our clients on the spot. And it's like, okay, I, okay, I feel like, you know, I need to make this decision. So yes, um, you know, I, I consent to this procedure. But informed choice, which doulas talk about a lot, is, is also knowing the alternatives and also knowing the timeline that you have in labor. So for example, um, so I love the mnemonic brain. Um, so this is one way that a doula can really support in the moment. All right, let's go through brain. So we have benefits, we have risks, we have the alternatives, which is really important because you know your alternatives. And also, you know, a part that's left out a lot, you know, in our medical system is what is your intuition telling you, which is the I, what is your intuition? And then the last one is N, which is nothing. Or I say to wait, what would happen if we waited right now? Um, what would happen if, you know, Provider stepped out of the room, you know, doula, you know, partner and birthing person, let's have a conversation right now, what feels best for you. Um, so the biggest difference between, you know, informed consent is, I know the pros and cons, I consent to this procedure, versus I know the alternatives and I know the timeline. Can we wait a little bit? Um, can we try this alternative first? So that's where it brings choice and choice brings power and confidence and that control back. Um, so yeah, so that's a one way that, you know, a doula supports, um, is we, we help, you know, your alternatives and we, we bring that control back to you because that that's empowerment. I love that you explained it in that way, because that was so easy to, I think, digest. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Of course. It's like, it's so complicated to break all of this down. So that's why I love mnemonics, you know, having mnemonics, like doulas, we have that toolbox, like we'll give you mnemonics all day. I know that's how I learn. So it helps, you know, kind of break it down and simplify. It's fantastic. For someone who's interested in hiring a doula, how far out should they be looking? And common question I got when I put up the cue box of, you know, any questions for a doula podcast interview E um, was like, what am I looking for to make sure that it's a legit person? Yeah. Yeah, these that's such a great question. So I know that there are a lot of nerves around hiring a doula. And of course, there are nerves, you know, I want to validate that because your doula is, we're your friend, but we're also that person who's there during such a vulnerable and powerful and beautiful transition and time in your journey, um, especially becoming a parent or, you know, for baby number two plus three plus. Um, so what, what do we look for, for hiring a doula? So first I would say, interview your doulas. Um, you know, don't feel ashamed about that and don't feel guilty about interviewing your doulas. Either video call, in person, on the phone, um, you know, connect with a doula. If there's a doula who doesn't wanna connect beforehand, I always say that's a red flag because 
part of what makes us doulas is we are empaths and we love connection. We want to connect with you. We want to learn about you and how best to support you. Um, so kind of to go backwards, how do we find a doula? When should we hire a doula? Um, so I would say sooner is probably better. Um, you know, even if that, you know, first trimester, you're looking ahead and you just kind of touch base with a couple, couple of doulas. So even if that's, I have clients who reach out to me, they just find out they're pregnant and they're like, okay, I know I am due like six months from now, seven months from now, but let's just kind of touch base. Let's hop on a call. Let's see if we connect well. And then let's, you know, circle back, um, you know, uh, when I'm, you know, in second trimester, maybe 20 weeks gestation is, you know, probably a kind of a good time, but it, it, I also say it depends for doulas as, um, as well. Some doulas, you know, they're totally okay. Right, right in the beginning, just hopping on um, a call and kind of, you know, booking other doulas kind of want to wait a little bit depending on their availability. So I would say when probably sooner is better, um, just to connect, but let's say the opposite side of the spectrum, you are 36 weeks pregnant and uh, 37 weeks pregnant. It's like, oh my gosh, I want to have a doula. What should I do? First off, I want to say, especially in greater Philadelphia, our network of, you know, all of us doulas, we are super close. We are a super strong network. So if you reach out to one doula, if they're booked, they probably know of another doula who may have some availability. Um, so don't worry. So first thing I say is, you know, if you're super, if you're getting close to your due date and you don't have a doula, but you want one, don't stress it. You know, another good um, option could be going through agencies. Um, so going through an agency model, what they do have is a team of doulas. So, you know, just, you know, a lot of the doulas have availability that kind of, you know, can open up um, you know, throughout depending, and especially you're usually matched with two doulas, um, through an agency. So, um, there's a little bit more availability. I was going to ask you, you kind of touched on this. So if someone's listening and they're like, okay, I'm interested in one, is this like a random Google search, like doula, you know, Westchester PA doula? Yeah. I don't know. Lehigh Valley. Great question. Such a great question. There are so many ways. So I'm going to say first one, doula match is a great, that's a great platform to find doulas. Um, kind of see their rates, availability, et cetera. So that's a great way to find a doula is through doula match. Google is also another good way to find um, a doula. Sometimes, you know, you type in, I know I'm in Westchester right now and there aren't as many doulas in Westchester. Um, so if you type in doula in Westchester, Google will sometimes show you a doula that's like far, far away. So I would just kind of take a peek on their website, see where they're located. Um, also, so I want to say, if you're going through Penn system, so I'm a part of PALS, and I want to share about PALS because it's a wonderful resource for families. Um, also, you know, depending on, you know, budget for doula, et cetera. So PALS, which is Philadelphia Alliance of Labor Support, we're a team of doulas who offer volunteer or sliding scale doula support. Um, so if you reach out to, to Penn, if you reach out to PALS on their website too, they can send you a list of doulas who are on sliding scale list. Um, or also get you on the volunteer list um, for a doula to match you with a doula. That's um, wonderful. Are yeah. doulas ever, do they ever accept insurance? Is that something that's possible? Yeah. So another great question. So I think that things are starting to shift, but we're not where we should be with um, doulas being covered by insurance. So some doulas are. So what I would do, um, you can check with your insurance and you can also check um, with doulas. Some doulas on their website, they say that they accept insurance. I will say for families who are serving in the military, um, they, you know, recently have a doula program. So they will compensate um, for doulas. A, a lot of the doulas do have to register. I think that I forget what the insurance is for those serving in the military, but just check 
you probably can get coverage with a doula through your insurance. That's great. And yeah. I don't even know if I asked this, but aside from like certifications of becoming a doula, is it a school that you go to? Is it a program? Like where is the, where is yeah. the like, okay, this is legit. So I just had a client ask me this question. Um, and I think it's a really important one. So it's like, I'm reviewing all these doulas. How do I know that a doula is the right one for me? Um, depending on their certification training programs. So there are a lot of different training programs. There are a ton. Um, and I would say, you know, Dona, so it's pretty popular, um, Doulas of North America. I'm certified through Dona. I love Dona. It's a fantastic organization. Um, but I also would say, you know, doulas who are trained in other organizations also have a fantastic education. Um, and, you know, some of the different training organizations have different learning formats, which support, you know, different doulas better um, because we're, we're, we're people and some of us, like, we, we want to go to a workshop for a weekend and then, uh, you know, attend births and do all these readings. Other doulas want to kind of spread out their education um, over a longer period of time. So Dona is a wonderful organization. You can search in their directory right online on their website. Um, Kappa is great. Birth Arts International is a wonderful organization. Um, Pro Doula has wonderful trainings. Um, there are so many. Childbirth International. Um, but I would say Dona is, I mean, I'm biased because I certified through Dona, but it, I had a wonderful education. Um, and the certifying process, you can also look on the certifying organization's websites. They're all a little bit different. For one, so I know for Dona, you have to attend you know, X amount of births, submit those hours, get reviewed from providers, and then also attend your training. Um, and I'm going to add one extra point, which is kind of a bullet point, kind of related but not related fully. I would say even more important than you know, the certification process is you know, doula is showing this curiosity and openness for continuing education. That's even more important. So a bonus is if you have a doula who's attending workshops and trainings, um, you know, they're continuing their education or even just express um, that they're listening to podcasts, they're reading evidence-based birth, they're learning, they have this curiosity to continue learning. That is, that's, I would say, even more important um, for, for the doula, hiring a doula. This is why you're great. This is why we love you. <laughs> okay, so let's go back a little bit. So let's say you a client hires you for their birthing doula. You schedule both prenatal visits. Yes. At those visits, what's happening? What should the mom expect? And then come birth, what should the mom expect? Great, great. Yes. So I want to say, you know, before anything else, everybody's different. So some clients, like they just want to go with the flow and they just want to, you know, you have your prenatal number one scheduled with your doula and you just kind of, they just kind of want to go with the flow and just chat, you know, with, with the first prenatal. And that is totally okay. So if you're like that and you're identifying that, yeah, that's me, that's totally okay. So don't worry. You don't have to prepare a ton of questions and be super prepared. So don't worry that we're, we're used to that as doulas. We, we just want to chat sometimes too, just talking through where you're at, how you're feeling, you know, the emotional side of a doula. So you know, how, how are things going? You know, what are your fears? What are your nerves right now? And how can we talk them through? So if you're that type of client, that's totally okay. What can be helpful is if you jot down, even if it's like the middle of the day and you're thinking, I have a question or I had my, you know, um, appointment with my doctor and I, you know, I'm feeling nervous about this and this, even pulling up on your phone, jotting down a couple notes and just emailing that to us or just bringing them up during our prenatal visit. That's great too, to talk through questions. Um, and then we have the other clients who are more like, we want to be prepared. 
you know, we have our birth plan. We want you to look over our birth plan. Like we want to get as much learning as we can get done um, during our prenatals. That was um, and, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's amazing too. Every, every way is an amazing way. So what can be really helpful? So I'm going to speak for the way I do it. I know some doulas do it a little bit differently. So the first prenatal, I think the most important part is going to be like connecting with your doula, um, you know, just chatting in the beginning, you know, even if it's like the first 10, 15 minutes, just chatting, you know, talking about yourself, um, pre-baby, you know, things that make you happy, things that are self-care for you. Um, so we get to know, okay, you know, your personality, what brings you joy, what fills your soul. Um, and then chatting during that first prenatal too, what are your, what are your fears right now? What are your anxieties? Um, let's talk through them. Um, and then, you know, also talking through a birth plan. So if you have a birth plan already or a draft, that's a great time for us to kind of start walking through it. So um, some client, I have clients who, you know, they prepare a birth plan and we can kind of look over it. I'll give some pointers. Um, but also I would say most of the time with my clients, I use that birth plan less of this is how, you know, it needs to be. And more of a, um, this is like our point to have a conversation. So early labor on your birth plan, even if it's, you have a super long birth plan at first, um, I typically recommend pruning it down to about a page, maybe a page and a half, two pages max. Um, but making it as long as you want. And then let's talk about it. Early labor. This is what it looks like. These are your options. Active labor. These are your options. These are your alternatives. Um, this is this is what you wish for your labor. But, you know, if this scenario came up, these are options that carry the energy of your wishes um, into that. So you're still embodying as much of the energy of your ideal birth experience as you can, um, no matter the situation that would arise. Last thing also too. So during those visits as well, um, just talking through, I always talk through with my clients, which we talked earlier about is informed consent and informed choice, decision-making, how to talk with your provider um, and having those conversations, especially the difficult conversations. I was thinking of something really, yeah, yeah. just thinking of like a little tidbit. My biggest regret with my birth plan and like the entire, I guess, um, journey with the doula, my birth doula, I wish that I had just taken the time to write out if my labor goes, if it goes south in the way that I don't plan for, what is that plan? But I was so strong-willed about like, it's going to go positively. It's going to be a natural birth, a vaginal birth, all of these things. And as soon as that took a turn, I didn't have something to look back on. Like I didn't have that paper or the doula and I didn't have that relationship of like, okay, well now that we're in this situation, what is that going to be? And it ended up, I never really shared my birth story like publicly, I guess, but a point of this is that I did want an unmedicated vaginal birth. It didn't happen. Ended up having to have a very emergency C-section and Dangle and my mom were at the birth, but not, neither of them were actually in the operating room. So I was alone. And had I, had I had that on my birth plan of like, if I have to have a cesarean, I want a support person with me. But that just didn't happen because there was no preparation. There was no like, okay, yeah. one of you quick go get dressed. Like, so I guess my advice here, even though I am not the doula, is just like really being intentional with your wishes and go down every avenue that you possibly can with your doula or yourself if you don't end up using a doula. But think about through think through all of the options and really what you would like, even if it's a scenario that you don't want to have. 
Yes, I I love that you said that. That is so important. I want to validate the experience of everybody during those prenatal visits, you know, talking about those scenarios that, you know, aren't on on the map, on your, you know, the plan on your birth plan is how exactly. you visualize your ideal experience. That can cause a lot of anxiety. So naturally, you know, we want to avoid those conversations. We want to manifest to the universe that, you know, yes, my that was the word I was looking for. Yes, I was manifesting. Yes. I was like, it's gonna be a vaginal birth. Like it's like there's yes. no other option. Like I'm prepared. I took yes. so many courses, read so many books. I was like, I know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh-huh, to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean happen. Yeah. Well, what I want to say is I want to validate that experience though so much because that of course you felt that way. Of course you felt that way. And of course you wanted to avoid those conversations. What my advice is with all my clients is you have, you know, a doula who's been to labors before. We've seen all these different scenarios. We've seen, um, you know, depending on how long we've been a doula, you know, different hospitals, different scenarios, different providers, holding space, at least if, at least if it's a phone call during the week or time during those prenatals to talk through those scenarios just so you feel prepared and you feel like if something would arise, we've had that conversation and you know what your options are. Um, yeah. And also last thing I want to put, you know, note, I want to say about that as well is even if that means not touching on all of those directly during your prenatals, but having the conversation with your doula about decision-making in those scenarios, if something difficult comes up, um, how to handle those situations and how to make decisions with your provider um, during those situations as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's definitely my biggest regret. And I know moving forward now, how to be more prepared. Yeah. And if you, if, you know, anyone listening to this feels, you know, can relate to that or feels like I should have prepared, I should have thought of that. You know, I should have studied that a little bit more. My, you know, my birth didn't go how I wished. I want to say, you know, trying to, even if it's sit for a moment, closing your eyes, breathing, and just embracing all of those emotions and that experience overall, because power can come in accepting those really difficult emotions, even if it means you can't accept it yet, but just starting to just send yourself love inward that you did, you did all, all that you needed to do and that you are enough and try not to, you know, send negative energy to yourself. That's so sweet. Thank you, Emma. Of course, of course. Are there ever providers who will not allow a doula, whether it's at a prenatal appointment or the birth? So I'm going to speak for Philadelphia area. So a little introduction about me. So I started birth work um, in Berks County, which is definitely a little different. It's I grew up on a farm in Kutztown, Pennsylvania, you know, very much in the in the farmland of Berks County. Um, so that's going to be a little bit different than, you know, Philadelphia area, greater Philadelphia um, with providers. What I will say is I have never personally had a situation where a doula was not allowed in the delivery room. Um, if there is a problem with that, I would have further investigation. Um, I would, you know, check in with the care team, you know, make your wishes really known and also putting on your birth plan as well. This is, you know, my birth, my birth team is going to be Emma, my doula and, you know, my partner, Aaron, or something like that. Just making sure you put that on your birth plan. Um, the scenario where I will say there are two scenarios. Um, so cesarean births, um, in Philadelphia, and I w- I hope for it to change. Um, that you know, usually it's typically one support person. 
Um, you can try to make an argument to have your doula in the room with you, but I would say they're pretty, they stand pretty firm um, with one support person, at least in the pen system. I would say other hospitals bring up the conversation beforehand. You know, there's no, you know, sometimes with providers in the medical system, it's kind of this plug and chug, getting clients in and clients out. Um, but, you know, don't feel rushed. No, no communication is too much communication. Bring it up during your prenatal visits, um, you know, during an appointment, just ask. That's always the best thing. The worst they can do is say they don't know. Um, and then, you know, I would say if they say don't, they don't know, circle back to them, even in your portal. But um, I would say just, just communicate with them because every provider is different. So ask those questions. But cesareans, that can be tough having your doula. Um, ask beforehand. And then two, the only other scenario that I can think of where a doula wouldn't be allowed to be present um, would be, you know, I, I, I haven't seen this in Philadelphia. I did see it once more rural um, was not having education around what a doula is um, and doula, you know, helping like making decisions for the, for the patient, which we aren't allowed to do. Um, but other than that, your, your provider should allow the doula, you know, your doula in. If they're not, I would, investigate a little further. Yeah. Wonderful. It's interesting because a really big misconception when Daniel and I decided that we wanted a birthing doula was when we told friends and family, their first statement or reaction was, oh, wait, so you're doing a home birth? And I was like, mm. no, we're going to you know, do the conventional hospital birth. It's like, oh, but a doula is for a home birth. And I guess because the history used to be that a doula would actually deliver the baby or the midwife was synonymous with the doula. I might be butchering this entire history lesson, but <laughs> I just thought that that was interesting. And I wanted to make sure people listening knew that a doula does not necessarily mean you're having a home birth. I'm sure doulas are more than wanted and accepted for home births and for even um, like center births, but hospital births, for sure, you can have a doula. Yeah, I, that's a, that is such a misconception. And I hear it all the time. I, you know, talk about being a doula and then, you know, somehow trickles down the line with a family member. And then I, oh my gosh, you're a midwife. He's like, no, I'm not a midwife. Um, I'm a doula. So yes. So the, the biggest difference. So midwives are providers. They are medical providers. They're your medical provider. Um, doulas, we do not do medical interventions. We don't do anything medical, I would say. So we're not going to be doing any exams, doing, you know, giving you any prescriptions, recommending any herbs, um, doing your, you know, taking over any of your care. Um, so we're not, we're not, a doula does not, you know, do any of that medical provider side of anything. Um, with con connected to your birth. But what we are, we're, you know, as doulas, we're supportive for all labors. Um, even, you know, I wanna mention too, a lot of doulas do birth planning sessions as well. So even if you're, you know, you're feeling nervous and you're feeling like, hmm, I don't know if I wanna birth, you know, a doula for my labor, a lot of doulas still provide birth planning sessions. I know that I do within my company. We can still have prenatal visits, talk through decision-making, talk through education, um, you know, do a lot of that, you know, important work beforehand. And, you know, some doulas also do virtual support as well, but having a doula is supportive for all labors, no matter where it's at, what it looks like, when it's at, <laughs> um, doulas, you know, can support you. And the reason why is we provide that education, but we're also your safe space. We're, we're a friend and a safe space um, to talk through your, you know, everything that you're feeling, your questions, you know, your, your nerves, your, your excitement. But what we also have is we have that education and those tools. So sometimes it's like, you want to talk to your best girlfriend about, 
you know, what you're worried about with your labor experience or what, what you want. And they're going to say, well, with my labor experience, this and this happened, and that's going to make you more nervous. No, yep. as a doula, we're here, you know, text us, call us. And it's like, you know, I'm feeling nervous about this, this, and this. And we're like, I validate that. I validate that we are your safe space. There's no judgment. There's no opinion, no bias, but what we will provide is evidence-based education, support, and validation. Um, and so, and that that's powerful is being able to have a safe space to, to share your feelings and, and thoughts. So I know that kind of went off your question a little bit, but circling back, a doula will support you in all labors. Um, and we are not a midwife. We are not a medical provider. I really like that. I think a big part of having a doula that was so comforting was that when I was emotional or Daniel was emotional or you're emotional together. What's nice about having a doula is like, not only is the person acting as your soundboard, but it's almost like having a very non-biased book of facts opposed to like someone else responding based off of emotion. So like if one person or two people are emotional, adding a third in who's also emotional does not help, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, we're just, all conversations are open. We don't bring our bias in. We're not going to, you know, tell you this is how it should be or, you know, take, take those emotions. I do feel that I am lucky, um, you know, as a doula, you know, who's not a mom that I don't carry, you know, have to face my own, um, you know, you know, trauma or experiences that some doulas, my colleagues are processing um, with their birth work they're doing professionally as well. That's a really good point. I was telling a friend that I was going to be interviewing you or really just like a doula and she was like "Ooh, can you ask does it ever feel like the doula is like a football coach in the labor and delivery room being like come on you can do it and like i burst out laughing when she was asking me this and i mean for me i never even got to that point of being able to push so i cannot answer honestly but do you ever feel like you are a sports coach on the field encouraging your players to make it all the way <laughs> That is a great question. And there are like so many facets to that question. So I think what it starts with is that support looks different for all families. You know, like every client is different. Some clients, they want that. Like I have clients who have athletic backgrounds and they want me, especially when you get to the second stage of labor and you're pushing, um, it's like, yes, good, 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 go, 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 go. You're doing a great, great job like that. And you know, that's why I say when you connect with a doula, when you match with a doula, ask them these questions um, and also tell them a little bit about yourself and your background and, and how you like to be supported. You know, I have some moms who they love their hit classes and in labor, that really is supportive um, to have that go, 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 go. You're doing a great job um, for other families and for, you know, other clients support looks for them is more of this centered, spiritual, calm environment um, where it's not embodying that go, go, go energy. Um, so I would say that, doula is we straddle both sides of the fence and what's what what is more important is how support looks for you um as a client um but what i will say about that too which actually is important for people to know i feel like um is within our hospital system i would say that more times than not i do see nurses and providers go to that coached pushing um and i'm talking you know specifically about pushing but that coached pushing you know go 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 push 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 like that type of embodiment that energy um if you feel like that doesn't resonate with you and you want to follow more intuitive pushing um then i would just put that on your birth plan that's a great you know option is putting it on your birth plan saying you know 
when I, you know, when I'm pushing, I would really, you know, prefer, or I really ask for a calm environment, gentle environment. Um, and then also as your doula, let them know during your prenatals kind of what support can look like for you. Um, and, you know, we in the moment as well can say, you know, I really think that she would really like, you know, to uh, more of a intuitive, calm environment right now. I mean, we're always your cheerleader. It just depends how you want us to deliver the message. <laughs> That's such a good tagline. You should copyright that. We're always your should cheerleader. Should I copyright depends, that? <laughs> yeah, it just depends how you want us to deliver the message. That's awesome. Um, okay, so painting the picture here, I thought that this might be interesting to really give people a visual. What can the actual birthing room in a traditional birthing experience, so not a cesarean, what can that look like? I'm talking like the lights, the sense, the way the room yeah. maybe feels like what can it look like depending on what a client would like? It's going to depend where you're delivering. So every hospital is different. Um, it's also going to depend whether you're having a hospital birth or if you are going to a birth center life, like life, sorry, like life cycle um, in Bryn Mawr. So they're going to look a little bit different. Um, so if I'm just thinking right now, I'm closing my eyes thinking, what does the delivery room look like at a hospital? Um, this is also actually, it's great to ask these questions um, during your appointments as well. Um, ask these questions, ask them um, if you wanna have a water birth. So I'm prefacing this a little bit. If you wanna have a water birth or you wanna be in water, um, in the water in some capacity, labor in water, ask them. Some hospitals, they have a tub or they have tubs in the rooms, but Sometimes there's only one tub in one room. So I, you know, ask this question, it's better, you know, sometimes they will say, you know, we have, or you have a friend who delivered at a hospital and they said, you know, she said that I labored in a tub and it was amazing. And it's like, oh, that's great. And then you, you know, you're at that hospital and you don't have a tub in your room. So I, I would ask these questions during your appointments, um, just so you can get an idea. Also, some hospitals will give you a tour. So if you ask, you may be able to tour um, just maternity and be able to kind of get an idea of what the rooms look like. As a doula, what would you recommend your client bringing or what do you bring to help yeah. your client? To, to like set the vibe, like what, yes. what, sh what can you do? Like, what do they have there already? And what should you bring to create that setting that, you know, you want to birth in? Um, so what I will say, and this translates over into postpartum as well, when you get moved up to the postpartum floor, what little pieces of home or what little pieces of peace can you bring with you to just kind of relax your nervous system, help you feel more of, you know, I, you know, comfortable because what's really common is you get to the hospital. This is why actually sometimes clients go to the hospital and their contractions slow down and they're like, why is my contraction slowing down? One reason why is that you, even if it's subtle, even if it's subconsciously, your nervous system is getting activated um, in a new space, especially if you've heard about white coat syndrome um, where you're feeling some anxiety just by being at a hospital. Um, so that's why this is actually a really great question. So candle wise, what you can bring are those little battery operated candles. You can kind of, you know, like they, they use at Halloween, you could put some in your room Simulate that experience of having candles. You can't bring any real candles, so don't try um, because they, they won't let you bring them in. But um, just the battery operated ones you can use. Um, a diffuser, you can bring a diffuser with you, bring some essential oils. Um, I know I always bring a diffuser with me as a doula to birth. Um, lavender is my go-to that's always in my bag. 
but um, you know, feel free to bring some essential oils. I will say sometimes when you're laboring, your sense of smell, um, also your sense of taste also can shift a little bit when you're laboring. So I wouldn't, if you're gonna you know, start low, if you're putting some essential oils in your diffuser, start with a low amount. Don't make it too overpowering to start. Um, what I would recommend as well is if you wanted to bring some of your own pillowcases that smell like home, um, you know, this translates over into postpartum, onto the postpartum floor as well. Bring some towels. So the towels at the hospitals are just notoriously just not comfortable. So, you know, bring some of your own towels that make you feel like home, um, a nursing bra um, that feels, you know, that smells like home. And nightgowns are great. They're, un, you know, underestimated. Bringing a nightgown, especially ones you can unbutton in the front, um, you know, you put your favorite detergent in the wash um, and, you know, bring that with you and it smells like home. Just that embodiment of, oh, it's, you know, there's familiarity in this space. Um, so clients ask me, should I bring my birth ball? Should I bring my balls? Um, so I would say I wouldn't. Um, the hospital, they, they have, you know, peanut balls and birthing balls there. Um, if you want to be super safe, you could, I would say it's probably overkill a little bit. Um, worst case scenario, if they don't have any balls available, you know, having a doula too, we can use pillows. We are, we are very creative with kind of putting things together and, and kind of, you know, subbing in some things. So I would say one less thing to bring, I wouldn't bring your birth ball. Yeah, that's really good advice. I also did not bring towels with me. Like bathing towels, showering towels. And I regret that. So add that yeah. to my regrets list. <laughs> yeah. The I towels. so much stuff. Like when we came <laughs> into the hospital, I had like a duffel bag, a book bag. Daniel had a duffel bag, a book bag. And then we had like just a handheld big, like Marshall's bag. I don't know yeah. what we packed, but I feel like <laughs> most of it wasn't touched. And then the things that I did want or felt like I needed, I did not have. So yeah. Yeah. Your doula probably has a list somewhere, a hospital bag list. I know I give some to my clients, a hospital bag list. Um, and less can sometimes be more. So even if it's, you know, a couple baby onesies, don't, you know, you don't have to, sometimes they say like, I'm going to bring all of them. I don't know which one. Just si simplicity is sometimes best. Um, sim simplicity is bliss. They say that for, you know, for a reason. Think of what can I bring of home with me, but not too, too much of it. But even if you're nervous and you want to bring a little bit of everything, that's okay too. Whatever makes, you know, you feel comfortable. That's the most important thing. But I, one other thing I wanted to add to that you could bring from home for your space. So sometimes what clients can do, it's a really creative, great idea is, you know, have some family members either fill out some cards that have some motivational, you know, quotes on them, or they write out like, Molly, we're rooting for you. We love you. Like something like that. And you can string them together, you know, especially during that nesting time. You start nesting, you can kind of string those, put those like little cards on a string. You can hang them up in the delivery room. Or even if you want to bring a kind of a stack of them, um, you can bring them with you. And even just having your partner or your doula reading them out, like, you know, your sister, your sister is wishing you, you know, the best. Um, she's reminding you to ground if you're starting to feel like you don't have the strength to go forward because you are, you're the strongest. Like things like that can be great addition to bring with you. That is so cute. I've never heard anyone say that. I love that, Emma. Yes, it's, it's such a great idea. I feel like it's like when I was in like rural Pennsylvania, I saw more of it. Like I felt like it, there was more of that. And then in Philly, I was like, no clients are doing this. So it's a great tip. And what it does is it also brings all those family members with you, you know, more outside of those physical possessions, um, bringing their energy, their support and that connection with you is, is powerful as well. That's awesome. After you actually give birth, 
Does the doula stay with you on the postpartum floor? Is that when the doula goes back home? What does that transition look like? Yeah, so that's going to depend on your doula and also what feels right for you. So what I do is I stay for an hour to two hours. If you want support, you know, moving up to postpartum, most hospitals will allow that. I would say majority of the time, you know, a lot has you know, labor, labor has happened, right? Um, babies here, you know, family's tired. Um, if you want some support during that golden hour, you know, with breastfeeding, initiating breastfeeding, which I also want to say preface that. Don't put too much pressure on yourself during that first hour. If baby doesn't latch right away, that's okay. But if you want some support or some, some pointers, we can provide that support in the first hour. Another question that's kind of similar that a follower submitted, what is the best baby hack for a pregnant mom and out of the womb? Pregnant mom and out of the womb. Oh, what is the best baby hack for when the mom is pregnant and the best baby hack for when baby is when, born? When baby's born. Who? One hack. Let me think. Um, Okay, so hack. So I'm going to say this and, and maybe some people are going to be like, oh my gosh, that's not a hack. But I, I think it's a hack. I would say pregnant hack for overall preparing your body for labor, preparing your mind for labor and all the above is surprisingly, I'm going to say this and some people are like, no, but it's self-care, working on relaxing, meditating, even if that means getting a pedicure, even if that means, um, you know, having your partner massage your shoulders at night, taking a bath, even if it means just blocking out one hour a day, one hour a night for self-care, that I would say is going to be a hack that embodies kind of everything for pregnancy. And the reason why is you have two types of muscles in your uterus. You have horizontal muscles and vertical muscles. And when you get stressed, even if it's subtle, um, what happens is it, you know, your uterus kind of clenches up and can lift baby up a little bit. And your body also goes into this fight or flight response if you're feeling stressed, you're feeling nervous, and that doesn't support, you know, moving, getting your body ready for labor, um, you know, natural induction at home. So even if you're going in for an induction, you have an induction scheduled, the best thing you can do is to try to do self-care, relax, meditate, take a bath, um, you know, have some, have some lovey time with your partner, put on a candle, make a good dinner, play some music, connection, meditation, and relieving that stress, which is easier said than done, I would say it's going to be the biggest hack for pregnancy um, and staying hydrated. And then post baby out of the womb. So this is going to depend either on the postpartum side or on the baby side. Um, so the biggest hack, well, I would say it's not a hack, but one, also self-care, um, making sure that you have a calendar, even if it's just a calendar that you have a couple hours, you know, maybe twice a week that you have marked down on the calendar. This is self-care time. This is my time that I can go see my friend, go see my family, go get a pedicure, um, go on a walk by myself. Um, we, we are in a society that believes that by giving all, by being fully selfless to our children, that that is, that is true parenting. But my argument, my argument against that is that I believe that including self-care, self-care is parenting. Um, because even if that snaps means, to that, yeah, it's so important. It's so important. And it, I, I hope it continues to change in this society. Um, but self-care is parenting. It allows you to be more present, grounded. And I just, I argue against selflessness, selflessness, the term selflessness in general, Glennon Doyle, if you're interested, Glennon Doyle talks about it so much, um, in her book Untamed, but um, including those blocks of self-care into your schedule, what that does, one, is it doesn't feel like this 
endless tunnel of diapers, babies, spit up, lack of sleep, you know, okay, I have time that's going to be for me. And if I get to that point, it'll be okay. I can relax. And it helps kind of break down this endless tunnel of the, the postpartum, the early time and postpartum with a little bit more, you have more boundaries for yourself to take care of yourself, but also it makes it, it, it allows you to feel more present in the moment because you know, I'm going to get a break. I'm going to get some time for my nervous system to, to shut off. Um, and last thing I want to say about that as well is one of, one of the reasons why I see clients um, start to show um, some symptoms of uh, postpartum depression and anxiety is during postpartum, your nervous system is, is a little bit more activated. It's more activated than if, you know, before baby arrives. And it just can be very subtle of just kind of lying there and waiting for baby to cry. Or just at night, you know, it's been like, oh gosh, I fed two hours ago. Oh no, my gosh, baby's going to wake up any moment now for a feed. And even though it's very subtle, it doesn't allow your body to fully shut off and relax. So scheduling in those times where you can get some space, you can have elements of your life before baby, it supports your overall ba balance and well-being. Um, so I encourage it for all families to, to include self-care into their postpartum plan. You're just the queen. Oh, What well, a fantastic <laughs> answer. Seriously, that was fantastic and also i've never heard anyone explain the movement of the uterus muscles i think you were saying when you're stressed did i say that correctly? yeah yes think of just being stressed so sometimes if you're really stressed we get tension headaches we get our jaws we're clenching our jaws we're clenching our body and it can be very subtle and if you, you know it's just a physiological response we're stressed you know we have these stress hormones in our body we start clenching and that happens with your uterus as well. So let me give a scenario. I think that makes it, breaks it down a little bit more. So you're sitting there at home and let's say you're 39 weeks pregnant and your doctor mentioned at the last visit, either baby's large, baby's looking a little bit large, um, higher percentile, which is common um, for them to mention. Um, also, you know, or we want to get you in, you know, an induction scheduled at your 41 weeks. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's like, week and a half away or something like that. And you start to feel stressed. You start to feel that stress response in your body. And what happens is you start to clench, your uterus is gonna contract and your those muscles are gonna pull baby up. So imagine that releasing sensation. So what a great exercise can be is even closing your eyes, maybe doing some boxed breathing. So inhale, count of four, hold count of two, exhale, count of four, hold count of two, and just start to relax and visualize baby softening, your uterus softening, baby's head moving down, um, and then feeling that softening. And what happens is baby moves down, his, his her, so if it's surprise baby, their head is pressing more on your cervix, that helps your cervix to soften and continue to progress and ripen, get ready for your labor. And one, you're feeling happy juice. Um, labor is, is a physiological process, process of oxytocin. Um, the Pitocin they give you, that's artificial oxytocin. That's an oxytocin. Um, so just getting that oxytocin naturally going in your body, that supports your body to get ready for labor and for baby. So so that's that's a trick. So that helps. Relax. It, it is self-care. And so someone asked me, what's natural indu induction method I can do? I say, try and relax. <laughs> Take a bath. Put some candles on. Have some self-care time. That helps. That's such a wonderful point. I don't know if I, that's even a hack, but like, what a wonderful thing to mention. Thank you for sharing. Of course. Of course. 
Okay, we are running short on time. I didn't even dive into the postpartum questions. I know. This is so good. Maybe we'll have you on again for another podcast for all postpartum doula related things. But for the last question, I guess, for birth doula, what is something that a mom would not expect that happens during the birthing process? That's a great question. And I'm just going to go with what first comes to my mind because that's a hard, and the reason why that's a hard question is that labor, part of what causes nerves around labor is that you can't plan it. So one, one thing that, you know, families may not expect when they go into the delivery room, and this is specifically with hospital births, I'm going, I'm going to say, is that sometimes the, just the atmosphere um, and the way that the provider, the care team, and not all providers and care team, but it's, it's nice to prepare. Um, sometimes it can feel disempowering and a lack of education. Um, and what I, clients tell me is, you know, it's surprising that sometimes providers, you know, talk to their patients in third person almost, and that can almost feel like, you know, this locus of control is going outside of their body. And what I say is if that's happening, try not to stress too, too much. I know it can be unexpected in the moment. Um, but remember, this is your birth experience. Sometimes providers are doing that. Nurses are doing that. Uh, you know, not giving you the full story, all the education, um, either because they're cycling through patients, um, they're just not thinking about that directly, they don't have that experience, always never feel ashamed to ask questions. Um, So if you're feeling like, you know, a nurse or, you know, a provider, part of your care team mentions an intervention or mentions it kind of offhandedly, and more in third person, and it, it makes you feel nervous in the delivery room, and it's feeling unexpected, like, wait, this isn't unexpected, Sometimes it's protocol. I would say sometimes it's just protocol. Sometimes they just mention it because they, you know, they want to give you education, but they don't explain it in a way that's like, this isn't happening right now. It's just that, you know, I'm, I just have to tell you this. So feel free to ask questions, you know, don't feel guilty to say, you know, I know you just mentioned that. Can you explain that a little more and how that applies to where I'm at in my labor process. Um, It can feel very unexpected. Even, I'm gonna say even before labor, um, let's say you have an ultrasound and you have, you know, they're either doing the ultrasound and they're like, oh, baby's big, baby's big. Um, And big babies, what we typically do for big babies is sometimes we can, that can mean induction early. And then sometimes that can mean a a cesarean. And, you know, they say that because um, it's there, you know, it's education. Um, but that, that is going to cause your, your stress cycle to happen. And that's normal and validate that. But what you can do in that scenario is it's going to feel unexpected. Um, first thing is to take a deep breath, deep breath. A lot of this is protocol as well. Then, you know, mentioning, you know, cesarean, it doesn't mean you're going to have cesarean. Um, in fact, most of the time it, it doesn't mean that at all. Um, so ask questions, you know, if, if a provider mentions that it's unexpected, ask them what they meant by that. Ask them, am I, you know, how, how do things look for me right now? What can I do over the next couple of weeks, um, you know, to prevent that from happening? Um, and also feel free, always, you know, feel that you can always get a second opinion. If you have, you know, a birth doula with you, my clients come to me all the time and they're like, I was just at an ultrasound and they said, baby is super big and I'm not going to have a vaginal birth. I'm going to have a cesarean birth. What do I do? And it's like, first off, most of those clients, most, most, most of those clients have beautiful, successful vaginal deliveries. So um, 
don't assume that if they mention it offhandedly and it's unexpected that that is your birth experience explore what a cesarean may look like what the what would you know um precipitate to that occurring um ask those questions you know read up education with your doula with your care team but don't immediately we have this especially you know i'm going to say specifically with women in our society we we hear that and we absorb it you know right we absorb that and it's like oh my gosh that's how it's going to be um and take a deep breath i always say take a deep breath and ask questions um so yeah i hope that's a good answer to that i was thinking unexpected um, absolutely but, yeah I realized after I should have honestly realized this before, but after I gave birth, I realized so many things that were said that I felt like the provider didn't have maybe bedside manners. It's like, yes, I do think that that happens some of the time, but I also had to remind myself that this was a one time experience for me or my first time, I should say, you know, God willing, I'll have another child, but this is the first time. I didn't know what to expect when it comes to these like interpersonal relationships with providers. So for me, I took everything very personally. Mm. I took things to heart. I absorbed, like you said, when something would be off the cuff, whereas for them, not only is it protocol, but they're doing this, you know, for how many days, months, years now, how many hundreds of births have they done this for or with? So it was like, I had to almost compartmentalize afterwards. This wasn't, to me, this was for me. And, you know, thank God it all worked out at the end. But in those moments when it was so rough, it's just, they're doing their best. And I have to remind myself that I have to do my best. Yeah, that's all you can do is your best. And even moving with postpartum, the postpartum, postpartum side of things as well, try to, I would say, and I'm gonna say it's an umbrella thing. The most important thing you can do for yourself is to be kind to yourself, mm-hmm. to hold compassion for yourself, and to also validate your experience. If if you you know if you have a provider who mentions this, they're doing their best, you know, with what they have. You know, it causes a fear response in you, which is normal and natural. Validate that. Validate with that within yourself, and then the next step would be hold compassion for yourself in that moment. Um, we put so much pressure on ourselves in this society, especially in our birthing culture in this society. We put so much pressure on ourselves and also on, you know, other families. We put so much pressure. And the most important thing is to do what's right for you, but also to validate that you're doing your best. And that's enough. That That is enough. Mm-hmm. And then and then talk to your doula and we will <laughs> confirm to you that you are doing enough and that you are enough. And to be kind to yourself and validate your experience. I love it. I really do. I uh, I have to ask you before you go, two yeah, things. Yeah. I ask everyone this who comes on, what would be your product recommendation that you're loving right now? It does not have to be in the birthing world. It could be anything. And then also please tell us how we can find you, whether it's on social, your website, email, however you wanna share yeah. your info. Yes, of course. Let me think of product. Oh gosh. That's such a good one. Um, I would say the product that's brand new to me, it's not related to birthing at all, which I know is, is, but I actually, my partner got me this circle water bottle and it has a flavor. So you put a flavor in, I never drink enough water ever. And especially working postpartum overnights and going to long births, I was never drinking water. And I have been drinking so much water. It has, the circle has the flavor that I can twist on and I just love it. It just makes me drink water all day. Um, So product wise, it's great. And even for, you know, pregnancy, postpartum, staying hydrated in any form that makes you drink water is helpful because we need to be hydrated more in our lives. 
Oh my gosh. And yes. So important. Like, so so important. It's like it's transformational. We don't think yes. about it, but it's transformational. hundred percent. Yeah. So that's something I'm loving right now. Product wise. I'm going to say really quick baby product that I love is I love the baby Bjorn chair. I love it. I work with multiples so much. So lots of twins. I've worked with a lot of triplets and I love the baby Bjorn chair because even if you're feeding baby, one of the other babies, or even just single baby as well, if you want to do something on your computer, I love that chair. Baby has to be eight pounds, I think to use it, but you can use the, you can use it, you know, pedal, pedal the chair with your foot. So that's another product I really like. That's on the baby side of things. I need to get but, that. Yeah. I, lo I love it. I know it's, everything in the baby industry is so expensive. So if you I can know. look on Facebook marketplace, you know, look on your mom's groups, your parenting groups, a lot of, you know, a lot of those Facebook groups or groups in general, they have used ones, their baby outgrew it. So look there first. That's um, great. A good tip. Yeah. Yeah. But how, where to find me? Um, so I run connected transitions. Um, so you can find me on connected transitions.com. Um, on Instagram, it's connected transitions doulas. Um, and same for Facebook. Um, and then always feel free to send me an email. Um, my email is info at connected-transitions.com. Even if it's just a chat, even if it's just to receive validation for everything you're experiencing, um, the way I run my business and work as a doula is above anything else, I'm your friend. Like I'm going to be your friend. I am rooting for you. You know, even years later after I'm your doula, I am going to please text me. Tell me how you're doing. If you just want to chat. If anything, I will connect you with wonderful doulas who I just are the best um, if I'm not available. But yeah, reach out. I'm here. I'm always here to support. You are seriously the best. I oh, think that probably. everyone from listening to this will feel like that sense of calm when just hearing your voice. You are a force we reckon with. We absolutely oh, loved having you as our postpartum doula. We miss you very much. And oh, I miss you guys. I know. It's been a while. I don't know. I just... <laughs> It's always so nice to talk to you and you're, you're a very knowledgeable person, but very calming. And I think that moms will hear that through this podcast. And if anyone's working with you, they'll definitely get that sense even more. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for saying that, that, that matters so much working with different families. It's like, all I want is just the best for my families and that I'm working for and to be their cheerleader and to be their friend and just hearing that it just it makes my soul just like sing. And that that is what makes this work so powerful and so wonderful is that I get to connect with all of these amazing families and kind of being able to connect with you guys working with Ollie, it was, it's the best. I mean, there's nothing better than it. It's the best thing ever. So thank you so much for saying that. Absolutely. Thank you for being so great. Seriously. Of course. And now next time we'll talk all about postpartum. I know we yes. talked so much about birthing. <laughs> yes, this was fantastic. I didn't even get through half the questions, which just shows like how much knowledge was shared today. So thank you. Seriously. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, it was, it's always wonderful talking Molly. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share with your friends, family, loved ones, really anyone who you think would gain value from this episode. And if you're feeling up for it, please subscribe, rate, and review. It means so, so much.